Welcome to The Clip Show. I'm Tiffany and I started a hair clip business out of my basement in Seattle in 2019 and it went from a one-woman show to now a team of 14. I'm here chatting with my ops director. Hey, I'm Christine. And this is where we chat about growing our small business, responsible manufacturing, and all the nuances in between. Nuance. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about brutally honest truths. Brutal. Brutal. Hey guys, Tiffany and I recorded this episode and realized that we got real into talking with each other and didn't necessarily answer all the in-depth questions that we could have, especially about workers' compensation. So we added an addendum to the end of this episode, so make sure that when you're listening to that part of the podcast, you know that there's another part at the end that addresses more in-depth questions, and obviously send us any ones that you have that you want us to answer to DMs or um, anywhere else that you can reach us, and thanks for listening. First, we got some really sweet reviews from our last episode. Yeah. We just want to share Good Kid Collective. Mm. Good Kid Collective. What did I help to say? They said, just rated your show, honestly really liking it as a fellow small business owner. The last one about larger craft shows was super informative and helpful. I'd love to hear more about the process of the nitty gritty, like getting an LLC, registering your biz, tax shit, and posting to an online shop. Ugh. I want to give you all of that information, Good Kid Collective. (laughs) I love it. Good, because I... Definitely don't remember how I did any of that shit. Tiffany's like, I actually (laughs) blocked out that entire period. But I'm glad it was helpful. After we wrapped that last episode, as soon as we finished, I was like, I curse like a motherfucker on that episode. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, it's good because I'm out here just fucking going nuts every single time. I know. And then I felt really bad about it. I was like, I hope there weren't. And I hope no one was offended. And then Tasha was like, I liked it. (laughs) And then Jen, who was like always trying to support us, just like cussing all the time. She was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) She was. Yeah, Jen is like, I really love it when all of us cuss like sailors. Nice. Okay. Okay. Well, let me know. Let me know if you like it or if you hate it. I'm wondering Mm. if there's anyone that like really hates it. And if you do... I'm like really sorry, but I'm yeah, it might of continue. Changing. <laughs> if I can't do it for my mother-in-law, I can't do it for you. <laughs> Christine is on one again this week. Just... I feel like we say that every week, and it's just true for me. It's like a human being that I'm like absolutely unhinged. That's okay. That's okay. <sighs> yeah. Okay, and then we've got this other one that's really nice. Um, is it Studio Tajour? Mm-hmm. Yes, Katrina. Katrina. I know Katrina. I've met her a few times. She's Aww. very nice. Very sweet. She says, I freaking love your podcast. Binge listened to three episodes last night. Here for the love is blind hot takes, girl. <laughs> <laughs> can we get thoughts on SK and Raven breaking up? Oh. 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 Oh, can you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it short and, and not sweet because... Never. There's nothing Um, sweet about it. I've never been sweet about anything. Okay, I was sus about SK from the start because everything that he said was just, like, too good to be true because he was like, no, I don't care about these things. I want to fall in love with you the raven way. And I was like, no fucking man has ever fucking said this shit. Ew. Exactly. And I was like, no, 
sus. And here's the thing is like Raven, I feel like I feel like most people when we've talked about this have been like, Raven was really weird for me at the beginning of the show because I was like, what's wrong with you? Like she was like in the pods while like people were telling her that they like really cared about her or liked her. And she's like doing the jumping jacks while they're talking to her and like pouring out their feelings. And I was like, girl, are you okay? Um, and I was like a little cringe about it. But mm. then like she became my favorite because mm. she really was like, it was just clear that she like had a hard exterior because she was like, I don't mm-hmm. need to deal with your bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I'm out here doing me. And then she opened up. Yes, exactly. And like she was the realist when she did open up, but I really loved her. And I was just like always kind of sus about SK because I was like, I don't know about like the way that he's like going around this. It feels like player behavior. It Mm -hmm. feels like fuckboy behavior Mm -hmm. to me. And when he said no to her at the altar, I was like, ugh. And then she was like, I was going to say yes. And then I was like, (laughs) and then (laughs) that's my sobbing noise. This is an audio podcast. Uh, (laughs) Oh, they'll watch the clips. (laughs) But I just, I feel like she had such a like wonderful, like fruitful and full life without his bullshit in Austin. Like she had like an amazing friend group. She was like running her Pilates. Like she was fucking killing it and she doesn't need his bullshit and that's what I have to say about it wow you yeah. feel very I, it feels like you're very invested in these characters I mean <clears throat> yes <laughs> also I feel like Bartiste didn't get enough hate at the reunion that's me all I'm saying I hope he gets 100% less bitches fuck you Bartiste all right moving on cool <laughs> yeah send us your love is blind hot takes yes in the review Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. In, in your five-star review, give us your hot take. What I really want to know is, are you all as worried about Colleen as I am? <laughs> because I am worried about Colleen. I'm worried. Because her partner, he like, there were several times during Love is Blind where he got like insanely drunk. Insanely drunk. Like to the point where he clearly like blacked out and was so mad at her that he starts like packing up his shit because he had been cheated on before. Oh. And he was like, I'm not getting played again. And he's like packing up his shit. And he was like, she didn't come home when she said. And he's like losing his mind. And she's like, bro, we like FaceTimed you. And I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. But he was just so fucking blackout drunk he didn't remember. And Colleen was like, bro, we like FaceTimed. And you like talked to me about this. And now you're being crazy. And then at the reunion, she just looked so nervous and like afraid. And her partner, Matt, he just like barely talked and just had like the crazy eyes the whole time. And I was like, I'm so worried about you. So tell me, tell me about your feelings about Colleen. I want to know. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) That was not short. That was not short. It wasn't. It wasn't. You can cut that down. You can cut that down. No, keep it all in. People will love it. As someone who does not watch Love is Blind. Yes. I'm there with you with the drama. Yeah. I watched one season of The Bachelorette. Mm, They're just so long. They're like 22 episodes. Yeah. I just can't invest my time. Like, that's a lot of time. Yeah. 
especially if it's not all good gossip. Like, I just want to get right to the heart of the fucked up shit. You love the gossip. You love, love the goss. I do. I do. Like, not even just gossip in general. Yeah, like you about listen, people I don't even know. Yeah, you listen to a podcast just of general gossip. <laughs> and I will continue to do so until the end of time. Normal gossip. What's up? Love you, Kelsey. <laughs> I just, I want to know everybody's shit. Cool. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go, Katrina. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Katrina. All right. And then we have another really awesome review from Shop Tippies. Mm-hmm. They said, first of all, your podcast, Heart Face, Heart Face, Heart Face. Mm-hmm. The craft fair one released the first week of my first craft fair, and I have two more, and it's made me feel more prepared. Thank Yay. you. Secondly, I would love to hear more about responsible sourcing and manufacturing. We would love to tell you more. We totally will. We can't wait for it. Yes. Um, And I'm glad you're feeling prepared for your show. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. Tell us how it goes. Yeah. We want you to succeed. And then Carolyn also. Okay, this is our last one, we promise. She says, it was comforting to hear that everyone has had confusing moments starting out, and I got some great tips. I also made a sign too big for my shared booth. Very relatable. (laughs) It's not just you. Great. It's not just you. That's like, wait, half of (laughs) ten. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I understand the ten. I just didn't understand how the booth was set up, okay? I get I get it. I get it. So we're talking about some brutally honest truths. Yeah. Um, what made you want to talk about those? I just hate when things like nag at me and when I get like shamey feel. Mm, the shame feels are the worst. Yeah, I'm pretty sensitive to like when I get that shamey feel and I'm like, no. <laughs> what is this? What, what is this feeling? What is this feeling? What do I need to reconcile? You know, I yeah. don't like bullshit. And I don't think people do either. No. Um, so I I like to just confront those brutally honest truths. Yes. And I think we we have had some come up recently that um, that I think are honestly like reasons or pillars that we can kind of drive our impact work towards even further. Yes. Especially because I feel like acknowledging those brutally honest truths is so important because I feel like so many so many places have like this approach that like they've already figured it out mm-hmm. or like this is the answer yes. or we're like absolutely certain in this yes and that it's not like this journey of like we all fuck up we all don't know the right answer to start with and right. you have to like get better especially because like it's not like we're operating in a vacuum right like the world around us is changing all exactly. the time exactly and so we have to change yes <sighs> fucking beautifully said mm. You really nailed Fucking it. Fucking beautifully said. <laughs> Truly, that's exactly, yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we we done fucked up in some ways. And, we and that's all, part of it. And we want to own it and get better. And that's like our fucking job. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So what do you want to talk about first? What honest truth do you All right. Our first brutally honest truth is that we accidentally greenwashed. We did. We did. Ah! Yes. Nobody. (laughs) Fuck. Fuck. (laughs) 
God damn it. I All hate right. green. We washing. gave our permission and we gave ourselves permission to cuss and now we're just now we're just going, going for, for it. Going for it. But let's just moderately cuss. Yeah. So how did we greenwash? How did we do this? What did we do? Well, I think when I I started, I kind of got basic facts about acetate, which is mm-hmm. it's a bioplastic. It's cellulose-based um, versus petroleum-based. Which means like wood grain, right. like pulp, like wood grain pulp fibers, like that sort of thing is how they make it. Yeah, versus, petroleum. you know, fossil fuel-based petroleum plastic. And Which yeah. at its core sounds better, right? Like that's like, oh, okay, you're looking at the natural versus like... Right. You're looking at like, I mean, both of them are natural to a degree, right? But like you're t- looking at something that seems to have less negative environmental impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the word on the street was that acetate was biodegradable. So I was just like, all right, let's, sounds, <laughs> let's do sounds this. Which, perfect. Yeah, which, you know, in hindsight sounds idiotic not to do like research before you say something, but... But you were also like starting a business from the ground up and trying to like deal with making an LLC and trying to do all of these things. And Sure. Know. And I think generally that's how greenwashing happens. It's like people like companies and brands being like, well, they said it. Right. I'm going to say Tr- it too. Trust but verify. My yeah. Words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, I knew that that was lacking, and it was kind of on our to-do list to like look more into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our social media intern, she did some research a couple months ago about yeah. acetate, and was like, "Uh, actually, <laughs> turns out, turns out, acetate isn't perfect. No, there's a lot of nuance to acetate." And let me pull up her research because it's it's a lot. This is like. Christine research, but <laughs> I'll try my best. Um, Tell me. Yeah, so the pros for acetate is that it is durable. It is more durable than plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a renewable resource, unlike petroleum. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, Christine? What does it mean when something is renewable versus non-renewable? So it means that something like, so like, let's talk about like wood grain pulp as an example, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a renewable resource resource because it can be like recycled and reused. Whereas mm-hmm. like when you use petroleum, it's not like you're going to get that back. Right? right. And we also know that in terms of recycling, only like 9% of virgin plastics in the United States are actually recycled each year. Yeah. So like... You're looking at a lot of issues there. Yeah. And I know Emma and I talked about this when we were, when she was doing this research. And, you know, there's research that shows, like, I looked into um, this whole sustainability manufacturing um, collective in Europe that was looking at, like, things like cellulose acetate as potential, like, options against petroleum-based acetate. And it definitely does put off less emissions in the manufacturing, but there's just not the science yet, or at least on scale, to actually have a way to biodegrade. Right. So even though that is a pro that uh, theoretically acetate is renewable, um, but if we don't have those like that infrastructure set up exactly to process that acetate, then it's kind of moot. Right. It's like theoretically <clears throat> right. biodegradable. But. Right. Right. Also a pro on uh, about acetate is that it does create fewer carbon emissions during production. Exactly. So that's a plus. It's mm-hmm. hypoallergenic, 
which is plastic not? I think there's things that they use in petroleum-based plasticizers that huh. do cause irritations for oh. certain types. Like if you gotcha. have latex allergies and that oh. sort of thing. Hmm. Okay. And then acetate, yeah, the scraps can be downcycled <clears throat> during production more easily. But then that also, you know, with the assumption that that recycling capability is available. Right. The cons of acetate is that it can't be easily composted in the US or most of the world, really. Right. Because it's it's relatively like a minority material. Right. It's not widely enough used that that's become like widely used technology. And right. so when we did that research, I think the only places that we found that like you can actually look at composting mm -hmm. um, cellulose acetate is some places in Europe where they've been able to develop that. I think like Sweden and like one of the Scandinavian countries was that mm. and Japan. Mm. And mm. we know that we could like send this back to our manufacturers and they could likely reuse the acetate. But again, you're talking about like really one narrow avenue to reuse it. And so many carbon emissions when you're like sending Transport. things back, like transatlantic or transpacific. Like that's just exactly. And then we don't have full transparency into how if or how, how they they're that. recycling. Exactly. It. Yeah. And then also another con for acetate is that it does produce methane emissions in landfills. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more actually than carbon dioxide emissions. 23 times more potent than carbon dioxide emissions. Yeah, because methane is some bad shit. I see, I see, I Theoretically, see. Theoretically, um, Cellulose acetate breaks down much faster in the environment than petroleum-based plastics, right? Like, they, mm -hmm. the, um, if they could theoretically break down in, like, 40 to 50 years where, like, petroleum-based plastics could be, like, hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. right? But still, you're talking about then, like, if it's in that landfill, yeah. like, it's still putting out all of these emissions right. um, into the atmosphere. So, right. yes, like can degrade faster mm -hmm. but like we don't really have a space where we can do it in a way that is really excellent for the environment yeah yeah and it still has a potential to create microplastics uh you know in the environment so it still breaks down in a i guess similar way to plastic where it just becomes right. smaller and smaller pieces of plastic that get filtered into the environment because it's made <clears throat> up of those like smaller great like right when you're t talking about something that's put together of like cellulose and the mm. plasticizers it needs to be able to be flexible enough to put in a mold of course it's still going to break down and have those pieces yeah so again like these are some of some of the things that are just hard to hard to reconcile because you know by nature we all want that like solid answer right like, we want it to like wrap up with the better. bow and yeah. feel like really great about it and i mean from that perspective like emma and i have been doing some research to figure out like i've started looking at some plastics engineers that we can talk to or like people mm. in like europe and um, even in the U.S., if I can find them, a lot of this like research is being done in Germany right now, which is mm. really interesting. Um, that like we could talk to about like what the future of this looks like, yeah. and like at what scale does cellulose acetate need to be like a manufactured product for this to be something that takes hold that we can have like real accessible biodegradable solutions and compost solutions. Yeah. Um, and also just trying to look at like what the feasibility of that is for the future, because we do want to be able to be 
putting out a product that matters, right? It's that piece of like, yes, we've taken the steps to offset our emissions, but how do we actually fucking reduce them now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's still hopeful because... I think acetate has become a mainstream material, though, and the demand for bioplastics Mm -hmm. is becoming stronger, and acetate is part of that. And now there's, like, you know, even new waves of people creating all sorts of biomaterials, like mushroom fabric and, like, kombucha, like, leather, pineapple leather. No, it's real. They're taking the scobies from the kombucha and they're drying it and making like material from that. Okay, hold on. Oh my God, it actually is coming up. Kombucha leather, your guide to scoby leather. Fucking told you. This is some wild (laughs) shit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, like, obviously that's the thing, again, when we were talking about, like, that we're not operating in a vacuum and we need to change as the world around us changes. Yeah. And fortunately, right now, consumers are holding companies responsible Yeah. to be like, no, you do need to do better. Like, it's not okay for you to greenwash and say, like, oh, I did this or, like, I bought some, like, plots to plant trees, so now we're green. Like, you need to do better. Yeah, and I think the hard place that a lot of companies find themselves is that this competes directly with sales. Yes. And that's a brutally honest truth too, is I'm sure I'm sure even, you know, the biggest companies, the worst offenders, they're not trying to fuck up the planet, but they want to make money. Yes. And that is ultimately their top priority. I mean, like, the truest evil is capitalism, but we're still a business that (laughs) wants to make money. So I say that. I say that. I'm like, listen, I'm a Marxist and doesn't want capitalism, but I'm also, like, the chief operating officer of a company that needs to have sales. Yeah. so... Yeah, it's it's this hard balancing act of, you know, needing to be able to have the sales for us to be able to invest in being a more responsible company. And how do you balance that need for consumerism with responsible consumerism, Mm -hmm. with impact priorities? Mm -hmm. It's really complex. Yeah. I know that's something that you definitely struggle with because you're like, if you're somebody that has like a capsule cloth like wardrobe, you're like, People don't oh, need yeah. more shit. I've worn this outfit three times this week. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. We love a sustainable queen. But yeah, like we don't need more stuff all the time. But also, you know, balancing it with this like unnecessary need, but also the reality that like <laughs> we live in this hellscape. And if like a $5 latte or a $20 hair clip makes you happy in this time of fucking nightmares, like do it, I guess, you know? So, yeah. 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 None of us needs any more shit. That is something I fully believe in. But it's crazy because I still own a company that, that makes, makes shit. shit. And I genuinely believe my purpose on this earth is to make shit. Like, I, you know, yes. that is, yeah, I am supposed to be making fucking hair clips. Yes. But how can I do that in a way that's meaningful and productive and yeah. working towards good. Yes. And that really drives me because I struggle with those two opposing right. things. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, we all shop. 
we're all consumers. Mm -hmm. It's just about us figuring out that balance between responsibility and what we need and what makes us happy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not telling anybody to go be like living with a burlap sack in the middle of nowhere. Like, you don't need to be a Buddhist aesthetic, but like. Yeah, I know. That's the thing is working through shame too. Here's my therapy talk for the day. <laughs> um, here's the thing about working through shame too. You also can't over guilt yourself. Right. And be like, I have to live like a fucking monk or everything is black and white because like that's not productive either. And it's not reality, right? Nothing in reality is black and white. And it just paralyzes you yes. from being able to do something. Right. It makes you probably less effective to like work towards the change. Yes. So own your contradictions mm -hmm. and know that we all have them. Yes. And like we struggle with it all the fucking time. Yes. This is what I learned in shadow work, bitches. Yeah. You got to <laughs> own your shadows. You got to be able to sit in the fucking like mud or whatever. Yes. You have um, to be able to like own what is in your shadow because if you don't, it really does it control will come you. out. Yes. Yeah, it controls you yes. without your consent. Yes, it becomes shame. And then we're just, we're just lying we... and we're just being monsters. I love that we try to like talk about like real, like honest truths about like the business, but we still descend into like our woo woo bullshit <laughs> like every fucking time. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. That's, yeah, that's me. I don't know. Okay, so. I guess we're going to have to change our, like, biodegradable tagline or whatever, you know, like, some of our, well, some of our material probably still says mm -hmm. I think we've changed most of it changed to most say of it. that, like, you know, it's created from a plastic, like, from an acetate that gives out less emissions during production. Yeah. But that there's no way that we can, like, thoughtfully tell our customers right now to recycle this. Yeah, right. That's that's a tricky conversation whenever people are like, how do I throw this away? Can I recycle this? And we're like, mm, no, actually, you just have to throw it away. Like um, keep using it, I guess. <laughs> just hold on you to it. You use it for craft projects. Break it up. <laughs> Make a mosaic of your chunks. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I mean, then you see companies that do get big enough to the point where then they can create their own recycling programs because yeah. like they're able to do that. And so that like, would be ideal. That would be amazing. But then we, we need more sales to become that big to be able to do that. For yeah. Ourselves. Sometimes I want to be like, we'll pay for you to just ship it back to us and then we'll ship it back to China. But then that's like a lot of I mean, shipping. transportation emissions are the biggest ones like on the planet right now. They have the biggest share of greenhouse emissions mm. of anything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we develop the infrastructure for us to responsibly do it? Yeah. So I do still think it's better than plastic, though. I mean, oh, at yeah. least it's not petroleum based. And even if you could recycle, like you can't recycle a lot of types of plastic. No, no. And, and so even regular plastic, like a regular plastic hair cloth, that's not recyclable either. No. And I think that because acetate is more flexible, more durable. I mean, oh, you've yeah. seen Tasha and Emma do those videos where they like that's drop them true. on the ground. It's hopefully going to last you a lot longer, too. That's true. Which in the long run is one of the more sustainable ways to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah it's you know we're a work in progress yeah everybody's and a whip 
Yeah, and yeah, like Christine said, like there's no right and wrong in the situation. We could because everything's the variables are always changing, mm-hmm. right? The information that we have is always changing. The technology is changing. Mm-hmm. So all we can do is just like tell you how it's going. Yeah, all we can do is try to hold ourselves accountable, mm-hmm. tell you how it's going. And, like, constantly be open to, Mm -hmm. like, improvement and change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do trust our intentions, though. Mm -hmm, I do. I think another really important for Brutally Honest Truth for us to talk about is something you get asked about on socials all the time. Dude, do I. (laughs) Which is how our workers get paid or how, how our manufacturers get paid. Yeah, I find this question to be very frustrating. Why? And then I have to take a breather. <laughs> tell me tell me more. I just get heated cuz I think it's a little to be real to be real honest. Yeah, I think it's a little fucking pretentious. Not for, what's the word? It's like, paternalistic. Okay, what does that mean? <laughs> what it's, do you mean? I mean, it's it stems from that idea that I can take care of you. Yes. Yeah, that like there is a right way, and it's the way that we're living in this white yes! democracy. Yes, like yeah, that is yes. that is what it is. Yes, like it's like oh, like as a white person, I know how to Go pay off. people. Yes, and I just find it very condescending. Yes, it is because it is condescending because well, and and I also feel like a lot of times when that question is asked, it's not always asked with like the intentions of like. I want to know how this works. Mm-hmm. It's asked with the intention of like, gotcha. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm like, fuck you. Yes. Um, yes. But I do love what you prepared for this. So please, <laughs> let, can we, let's please get into this. Oh, yeah. So we were having like audio issues at the beginning <laughs> of this. So while they were figuring that out, I was like creating a mock conversation. Because I think a really good way to frame this, um, you know, Western culture constantly is asking like, well, do Chinese factories pay their workers and do they treat their workers ethically? But if the tables were flipped and a Chinese company hired an American manufacturer and was asking them, like if China was like, so how much are you paying your workers? And we would be like, um, like 22 an hour. And yeah. then they would be like, well, is, is that, that a, a decent, decent living wage? wage? And we'd be like, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty average around here, but you know, like if you go to Chicago, they might be paying more, but rent is crazy, you know, yeah. like. It depends on the cost of living of the area and like where you are, what you're making, and yeah. like what skill set is in demand. Yes. It's almost yes. like uh, compensation in an economy is more complex than asking a single fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then China would be like, "We're he, we hear you're hiring children," and you're like, "We do have sixteen year olds, but it's that's legal. the legal age." Yes, <laughs> it's just. Not that fucking simple to answer no. with what like one question, one black and white answer. There's cultural differences. There's national differences. There's economic differences. There's like and, endless. And to come back to that idea of paternalism, it's this idea that like we know how to make it better. Yes. Like, and we know how to do it better than these people who own their own fucking factory 
and do this for a living that this is their skill set and we're like no but we know how to pay your workers so can you and just just to like give you a little bit of a of a morsel for a future episode that we are working on. Um, why don't we try letting white corporations decide how much people in China get paid for manufacturing? Oh, wait! We did it already, and that's how we ended up with some bad shit to begin with, so... Yes, right. <laughs> I mean, all of this. I get so frustrated about this question, and I try not to because I understand that it's still a valid question and it's still a question that i want to be able to talk about yes because because ethical manufacturing is a really important topic to talk about Mm -hmm. but it's really important to recognize that there is so much nuance that goes into this Mm -hmm. and it comes from like years and years and years of like issues in um like foreign policy Mm -hmm. it comes with lots of cultural perceptions Mm -hmm. it comes from preconceived notions it comes from the way that we interact with the world around us it comes with like our own issues of consumerism like there's Mm. so much bundled up into that question Mm -hmm. that you really have to be able to be willing to think through and and like speak through thoughtfully and as Lupe said the other day, like, how does it feel to be a fucking colonizer <laughs> when you take that tack When with you it? think that you know better yes. than yes. the foreigners. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not even Chinese, but on behalf of Asians. <laughs> on behalf of Asians. <laughs> a little <laughs> insulting. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's really important to, like, be able to talk about things like... Uh, what ethical manufacturing actually means and how you verify things and okay. what that looks like. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, for us, um, you know, we had a meeting with our manufacturers not too long ago on Zoom, like hired a translator. It was great. And it, like I was dealing with my own feelings of like frustration with myself and like how to approach this because I was thinking about how we talked about doing like a SEDEX audit, which or a SMETA audit, which is like a um, social audit that like looks at different like workers' conditions, benefits, compensation, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And when I was going into that conversation, like I just felt so icky to be like, mm. well, we'd like to do a SMETA audit mm-hmm. like next yeah. year because like, it just feels like saying hey, I we're not. Tr- we don't. Yeah, trust I don't you. trust you. Yeah. And like that's so fucked up. When I'm thinking about like these people we talk with every day yeah. that make our product, that yeah. like we have this relationship with, and then to be like, but also I don't trust that you're an ethical person. Yeah, is like yes, Ugh. exactly, exactly. And, and it, I've had to do that in the past. Like I've asked Jamie, like bless her heart, and that she actually like gave me answers to all my questions yeah because it feels like i'm being a dick yes (laughs) because because unethical manufacturing practices don't just happen in china they happen in the united states anywhere there's production anywhere there's production anywhere there's human beings someone is going to find a way to extort someone what's up one in 28 people is like sociopath right like (laughs) so someone's gonna extort somebody right and it's really awful that like like you just did this flip script like if somebody asked us like hey can i come in and do this social audit 
to make sure that you're doing everything above board, we'd be like, what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, I mean, you want to be open to it to be like, no, we don't have anything to hide. Right. But also it's like this... Yeah. It's this really uncomfortable place. Yeah. So I think it's like, that's why it's important for us to really cultivate a relationship with our vendors so that they know that we trust them. But I do think oversight is still important. Right. Like you still need to be able to say, like you still need to have a universal language and way to say like, no, we do trust, but verify. Yeah, right. Right, And like, mm-hmm. I think that that's what those audits do have some value in is that there's kind of this like international, like this universal way of saying like, is this above board? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we should all be open to it because if we like want to show that we are doing being above board, like we should do that everywhere. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's tricky. It's like, it's like saying to your husband, I trust you. But let me see your phone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let me just really quick scroll through your time. <laughs> Thanks. It's a delicate matter. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. I just had to like release some of that into the world. <laughs> pent up uh, frustration about that question. But also I understand. I understand. And we are doing what we can to like balance that Mm, you know that conversation and and follow it with action too and I would be curious to hear from like you guys as listeners like you know when you're a consumer um looking to buy from like an ethical company like you want to buy somebody that is doing like manufacturing ethically that's being sustainable like what do you look for like how do you evaluate a brand and how do you evaluate a company that you want to buy from mm-hmm. because i know for myself like as you know doing the impact work here but also as like a buyer in my normal life that like i feel constantly like i'm reading through these things and i'm like but how do i know this is real how do i know that you're mm-hmm. not just putting this on your website and it's bullshit yeah. right so like how do you evaluate things what questions do you have that are things that we could answer or talk about? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually curious to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, let us know. Hey guys, Christine here. So Tiffany and I listened back to this episode and realized that we got a little too hot and didn't really answer the core of the workers' compensation question that you guys have. And it's really important for us to be able to answer that. So we want to be as transparent as possible. And I want to give you that information right now. So... We work with two manufacturers in China in the Iwu Jimwa area, that's where all chunks are made, and our manufacturers hold some um, certifications that I want to go through and then I'll talk about what they mean and we'll go a little bit more in depth on a couple of these. So they hold two standards from ISO, which is the International Organization for Standardization. So when you see a lot of standards or certifications that companies have, you'll normally see ISO at the beginning and that's because they are kind of like the standards organization and they come together with experts and regulating bodies every year to make sure that like their certifications are consistently renewed and accurate and up to date with everything that could possibly be updated in each of those standards. So first is ISO 9001. It's the internationally recognized standard for quality management systems. So this is really important for basically like every manufacturer to have and both of our manufacturers do have it. And they also have ISO 14001, which is the environment 
environmental management standard. So it's actually one that we are working towards at Chunks as our own company. It's one that we are hoping to have in place by the end of 2024. And basically what it does is it sets out a criteria for environmental management um, systems that can be adhered to and can be certified. So basically it means like centering environmental practices in everything that you do, how you order products and supplies, what kind of vendors you work with, uh, what kind of energy you use at your facilities, all of those things. So that's really, really important to us. And then the social audit and social certification perspective comes from BSCI. So BSCI is the Business Social Compliance Initiative, which was founded in 2003 and is one of the leading social audit initiatives in the world right now. And so when it was founded, it was based on the labor standards of the International Labor Organization, or the ILO, and it's kind of representative of the efforts of the European retail industry to ensure ethical working conditions with its suppliers after a lot of those manufacturing scandals that we saw come out in the 90s, like Nike and those sorts of things. So BSEI provides companies with a social auditing methodology and report, and it doesn't offer the certification itself, but it provides the methodology for independent agencies to conduct the audit, which is very similar to what the ISO does. So one of our manufacturers underwent the BSCI audit in October 2022 and received good or better grades, which is an A or B, in the key areas of workers' involvement, rights and freedom of association and collective bargaining, no discrimination, fair compensation, occupational health and safety. And then they have this other set of like core requirements that are like no child labor, special protection for young workers, no bonded labor, protection of the environment and ethical business behavior. So our manufacturer passed all of those with flying colors. And then they did have recommendations for follow up on continuous improvement for two different areas. And those were the social management system, which is written policies and procedures. Um, so kind of like having HR policies written out and decent working hours. So they have to follow up with either the agent from the agency that conducted this audit or this sponsoring um, vendor for this audit every 60 days to show continuous process improvement in order to hold their certification. Um, so what does that mean for us from the chunk side? So obviously we didn't order this audit, so we don't have all of the information that's part of it. But what we are going to do is in 2023, we're joining SEDEX. And SEDEX is an ethical trade membership organization, very similar to BSCI, but it's very much focused more on the business members and providing them information so that they can ensure that every part of their supply chain is ethical and sustainable. So instead of being sort of like an initiative from Europe, SEDEX is more international. And so they provide tools and an audit framework similar to BSEI to support the journey of businesses on the ethical retail and sustainable supply chains. So when we join, we're going to use this meta audit provided by SEDEX to complete social audits with both of our manufacturers and then hopefully be able to share the results of the, that report by mid-2023. So we have to be able to uh, join SEDEX, order the audit, it, give our manufacturers the notice of the audit so they can prepare and then an independent auditor will go out and conduct the audit, give us back the results, and then we'll talk about an action plan if there are any areas that need to have continuous process improvement and we'll share all of those results with you guys. And the SEDEX membership also allows us to have insight into a lot of other areas that we can improve our supply chain. Um, so I definitely want to be able to share those updates with you guys as well. 
And one thing I really want to center as part of this is that when we began our partnership with these manufacturers and when Tiffany began this partnership, it was based on the premise of ethical manufacturing. Like that was the key and the core for Tiffany when she started this business. And so both of our manufacturers showed that they pay entry-level workers double the minimum wage for their geographical area. And we also, when we meet with them, they always reiterate that they're happy to partner with us on audits that we request. And they also conduct their own internal audits and share updates as they find new continuous process improvement areas. And so I know we don't have all of the most in-depth numbers and figures because we don't own the means of production. We don't own these factories. And we're going to work with a third-party auditor next year to do our own audit. But I know that we don't have all of the information. And I just want to stress that this is a journey for us. And we know that we're not perfect. And we want to get better consistently. And we know this isn't a destination. It is a journey for us to constantly always be improving on how we can um, be more ethical, how we can be more sustainable. And we really do welcome the feedback and the questions from you guys because we want to be accountable and we love that you guys give a shit and care about where your products come from. And we want to make sure that every hand that touches chunks is paid equitably, uh, is protected, and ultimately that it comes to you and you can feel good about what you've bought and that you can feel good about being part of this community and that you know that we'll want to be transparent with you. So thank you for being who you are and thank you for listening. All right. Well, I mean, if you liked this episode, maybe you should rate and review it and ask us some questions and leave us some thoughts. Yeah. Uh, And subscribe to the show. Did you know, Tiffany, that you can rate and review every episode? I did know because we'd say it every episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, It helps us out a lot. So uh, please do that. You can find us on IG and TikTok at chunks.shop and send us a DM if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about. Yay! Bye. Bye.